Our scripture this morning is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 8 through 13. If you want to turn in your Bible or your phone, or if you want to look at it on the screen. I'm not opposed to the phones. Uh, This fall, we've been talking about essentials, life truths that matter. And we've been looking at the words of Paul to Timothy in his last letter that he writes before he faces death. I want to talk about living in faith today. Living in faith. Our word for the day is faith. And uh, sometimes when you use a word like faith, it probably occurs so many times in the Bible and So many times we talk about faith. I want to be clear what I mean by faith today because it's kind of one of those churchy words. I feel like sometimes you just go faith and it's like, oh yeah, pastor preached today we need to live in faith. Um, Faith first exhibits itself uh, when we turn to Christ And we ask him, even as we saw in Clayton's testimony, hey, guys, I'm getting a lot of, I got a lot of, whoop, uh, coming out of the monitors. Um, I know y'all can't hear that, but I can. Faith first, that's that's wonderful. Uh, Faith exhibits itself uh, initially by our trust in Christ to be our Savior, just as Clayton testified to this morning. Uh, but then, and this is really what we're going to talk about today, is that faith then lives out. And what we say in English is faithfulness. So we exhibit faith in Christ, and then we live out that faith. And in English, we call that faithfulness. So we start with faith, and then we continue faith with Our English word is faithfulness. I got some technical things to talk to you about today. Uh, And we're going to get to it. But the reality, when I I go to the Bible and as I read the original language in the Greek, it's just one word. It just says faith. And sometimes in the English, if it's that first initial faith, then we, we say faith. But then if it's faith that we're living out, then the English tends to say faithfulness. But in the original, it's just one word. It's just faith. And that's what I want to talk about, not just initial faith, but a faith that we live out, living in faith. And faith means that I am trusting in the dependability and the power of God. And here's, here's, here's the point today. Is I, Get this. Our faith is in the faithfulness of God, not in my faithfulness. Quite honestly, that's it this morning. That's that's what I believe that Paul was speaking to Timothy about before he checked out um, is that your faith is based upon the faithfulness of God. And we can get this idea sometimes that it really just depends upon me. And actually, in the verses that precede this that we looked at last week, we talked about resolve. And I think the reason Paul comes in verse 8 to kind of change his his focus 
is because he's, he's made this, this call uh, to Timothy, I believe, to have resolved to live a life of faithfulness. And there could be this sense of pressure that builds up to say, boy, if this is to be, it's all up to me. And quite honestly, that's not true. Our faith is not based upon our faithfulness, my faithfulness, but it's based on the faithfulness of God and specifically in Jesus Christ. So our word today is the word faith. Understand it in those terms. And I believe it is the one thought that connects the verses together today. And he, Paul comes at the end of this passage to use the word. But he says in 2 Timothy 2, 8-13, Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I also suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. There's a little bit of change of thought there. But then he says in verse 13, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Some people, when they look at this passage, draw from this that if I don't remain faithful, then I'm not going to make it. But quite honestly, the very opposite truth is what Paul was teaching is that my faith is not in my faithfulness, but my faith is placed in the faithfulness of God and God will be faithful and he will do what only he can do and God will get me home. Um, there's some technical aspects to these verses. And quite honestly, as I rolled through them over and over this week, I couldn't let it go. Um, the Greek language is very precise. And I believe it's one of the reasons that God ordained that the New Testament was written first in Greek. Very precise. Words are not used randomly, and tenses of verbs are not used randomly. And the only way I can describe the thrust of this, this is to get in the technicalities with you and to tell you uh, some of what is behind the English words in the Greek, and it relates to verb tenses. Uh, bear with me this morning. Um, the Greek verbs, the tense of Greek verbs, not only denote time, but kind of action. 
so that if you have a present tense verb, it is always continuous action. In fact, we're going to, verse 8, look in verse 8. When he says remember, it's in the present tense, and the thrust of the English, the, the Greek word is be remembering. What, what he's saying, there's a little bit difference than remember. What Paul is saying, I don't need you just to think about this one time. I need this to be a constant thought in your mind. I need you always to be remembering. He could have chosen another tense, but he didn't. Be remembering. Present tense. And we're going to see that throughout this. There's also an aorist tense, which is past tense. And it's in a point in time. It's not continuous action. Uh, if the present tense is like a video of an event, of an action, then the aorist tense is just a pick of that event. It doesn't give you the action, it's just a point in time, and we're going to see that in here. There's another verb tense. There's several others, but the, the other one I want you to know about this morning. Are you taking notes yet? That's all right. I'm going I'm to remind you of these things. The perfect tense. I... I, I this was the first semester of Greek at Baylor University. Dr. Cutter introduced the, pres the perfect tense. And the perfect tense is that an action has occurred in the past and the results of that remain until the present. It's not aorist, it's perfect. It happened in the past. The effects, the results of it remain until the, to the present. Um, we're going to see the perfect tense in verse 8. When it says that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's not past tense. It's not that it was the aorist. It happened in a point of time and it did. But there was something that happened in the past. And the results of his being raised from the dead are present to this day. The point being he is still alive. Do you get it? He has and still is raised from the dead. It's not that he went back to the grave. And so those are very significant. And I will highlight those. Um, as we work through this text, which we need to do right now, be remembering, he says in verse 8. And the reason I believe that Paul says that and he talks about faith is because there's been a lot of pressure put on Timothy. It's like, man, you've got to be, you've got to be the soldier. You've got to be the athlete. You've got to be the farmer. And I, I think... And it's like, son, I need you to raise your game. The level of what you're doing, this is significant. The whole kingdom hinges on you. I'm about to leave. Son, I'm passing it down to you. And you're just thinking, Timothy's just like, dude, man, this is getting heavy. And he says, but I always need you to remember. And he begins to talk about that our faith is not based upon my faithfulness, but it's based upon the faithfulness of God. And he says, be remembering. And first he talks about Jesus, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. That's verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Uh, his first illustration of the faithfulness of God is, interestingly enough, is Jesus. He uh, includes this phrase of the seed of David before he says he was raised from the dead. And so what he, was, what he is alluding to by being the seed of David is he was the one in the Old Testament that the prophets spoke about who would come, who would be the seed of David. Part of what he's communicating there is, is God, like the Word in John 1, became flesh. He became the seed of David. He became a human being. 
and therefore he could suffer death. But the point of it is, is the prophecies in the Old Testament, according to the seed of David, this was one who would not only become flesh, but he would give his life. Jesus died. Before you can be raised from the dead, you've got to die. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And so he comes in fulfillment to that, and Jesus dies. I believe that's all in the mind that Paul speaks about. But he says that he was raised, perfect tense. It happened in the past, and the results remain until this day. Um, Jesus was made alive, and he still lives. In fact, he's going to allude to this later in verse 11 when he talks about if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Jesus died, but he rose again. And obviously our salvation is based upon the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But it's also based upon the resurrection. What is our hope of a resurrected life? It is in the one who was resurrected. It wasn't just that he was resurrected. He is resurrected. And in fact, if you go later on in the passage, not only if we died with him, we shall live with him, but if we endure, we shall also reign with him. He is reigning. He is the exalted Lord. What is our hope? Our hope is not, Daryl Smith's hope is not that Daryl Smith will so commit his life to the cause of Christ and I will live such a great life that God someday will get me home. Ooh, that's shaky at best. No, my hope is in the resurrected one. And what he's going to say later is you were in Christ when you believed. Your faith was not in your faithfulness, but your faith was in his faithfulness that Jesus Christ is able to get you home. That's what God, in fact, it's interesting to me that it's actually a passive sense there. It wasn't that Jesus resurrected himself. It was that he was resurrected. Who was that that resurrected Jesus? It was God the Father. And I believe part in the mind of Paul is the faithfulness of God that Jesus Christ lived the life that God called him to live according to his purpose and he died according to the purpose of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this because we think of Jesus in such terms uh, more of his deity than his humanity and we think, well, Jesus wouldn't have had these thoughts. When Jesus is dying on the cross, is he wondering? Does my, is he going to raise himself? I don't really know how dead people raise themselves. They're dead. No, somebody had to raise him. God the Father had to raise him. Does he have the thought? I wonder if God has the power to raise me from the dead until his eyes open. <laughs> said, no, oh, my God is able. But do you understand? Our faith is not in ourselves. Our faith is in a God who first, the illustration is Jesus Christ, could raise him from the dead. But Paul goes on to that after he has said, according to my gospel, verse 9, he ties into that, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. If we're just learning a little Greek lesson here and kind of just reinforcing some truths, not that all these are super significant, but in verse 9, he does not just say, I suffer in a point in time. Paul says, for which I am suffering. It is continuous action. I am suffering. In fact, this word is used already twice before. It is one of the thoughts that is in Paul's mind that he is suffering for the gospel. And you can see that in 1.8 and 2.3. He talks about suffering, suffering, suffering. 
It's very significant in Paul's mind. And it's very significant to Timothy. Because you can trust, <laughs> Timothy, that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. I suffer. Huh, let's draw this out to the logical conclusion. You're following God. You too will suffer. He's going to say that later in the letter. He suffers. He, is, he says, I am suffering, continuous action, present tense, as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But when Paul says chained, it's like, hey, the government wanted to silence me. They put me in prison. Man, that was really a bummer. They're going to put me to death, the ultimate expression of silencing me. Man, if it depends upon my faithfulness, Paul's saying this, for the word of God to get out, then we're done here, people. But my hope is not in me. My faith is not in my faithfulness. My faith is in the faithfulness of God. No, he says that even though I am chained, I suffer as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, the word of God is not chained. What a glorious thought. <laughs> it's like, man, they did everything they could to silence me. Paul's about to be beheaded. No, it's not about my faithfulness because the word of God is living and active, will not return void. There is power in the word of God. Why? Because it's the word of God. And it will ring forth whether Paul speaks it or Timothy speaks it or anybody speaks it. It is the word of God. It, and let me just let you in. When he says it is not chained, it's perfect tense. <laughs> Somehow, I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain all this. It was unchained some point in the past, and the results of that being unchained are to the present. What it's saying, no, this is, this is the way it's going to be. It wasn't that it was unchained in the, past, in the past only. No, but the results of that are to the future. He says in verse 10, Therefore, present tense, I am enduring all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Uh, this word endured is impor important not only because uh, it's present tense. So just like suffering, in verse 9, he says, I am suffering. He says, I am an, in, enduring. Uh, words sometimes, in your, you may have a different translation. It may say persevere. Literally, the Greek means to remain under. Uh, to remain under. I am remaining under. All things. That is a, what he's saying is I, I'm, I'm remaining under the call and the mission of God in my life just as Jesus Christ did despite the tribulations, the troubles, the trials. I am remaining under. I am persevering. I am being steadfast. That's going to be significant here because he's going to say this again. But it's that word he says for the sake of the elect. When Paul uses the word elect, it is a word that means the chosen. It speaks about Christians, the saints, however you want to say it, the saved. If you are saved, you are elect. Now, get this. The force of the word elect denotes that God took the initiative and chose you. This is very significant today for what Paul is speaking about. 
your choice, your salvation was not based so much on your choice as God's choice. I can't, I can't, under, I can't, I don't understand the mystery of it all. I don't know why Clayton Lester is sitting there at the farm and God comes down and says, boy, it's your time. And we knew Clayton needed a time, didn't we? We've been praying for that. We talked about actually holding him a little bit under the water for a while or maybe triple dunking him, we thought. They used to do that back in, for really the really people that needed a good washing, you know. We're going down three times, if not four. Um, Daryl Smith, Clayton, were you 10? Are you 10? Where are you 10? Yeah. Well, I can associate with Clayton because I was 10. And my story is I was not looking for God that night, but God was looking for me. And let me tell you, that gives me assurance. This is what gives me assurance. I did not choose God so much as God chose me. And that makes all the difference as we come down and we read these other verses because almost the implication of human religion is I can choose God. The implication of that is, oh, there may come someday that I can unchoose God. Well, it's a little different if God chose you because what Paul's going to say here at the end is, no, he does not change his mind. He cannot deny himself. Even if you are faithless, he will be faithful. You see, but we, when we were saved, we enter into a, into a contract. And God moved upon our hearts, and we, if we were saved, we said, yes, God chose us. And it says at the end of verse 10 uh, that they also may obtain the salvation, which is huge phrase here, in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You can look up uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 if you want to see what he talks about, eternal glory. Heaven. But what is our salvation in? No, no, get this. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. I place my faith not in the faithfulness of, of Daryl Smith that somehow God called me and it's like, well, I'll do my best to live that out and I hope I make it someday. Well, I've already blown that. I'm not going to make it in my own righteousness. What was my faith in? My faith was in Christ Jesus. Not that I could get myself home, but that he could get me home. And he entered into a contract with me. And he moved upon my heart and he chose me. And I said yes. It's not dismissing the free will of man. But election means that God took the initiative and he said, I want you. Yes, we have to say yes. But when we said yes, we're on the team. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Should we live out faithfulness? Yes, we should. But my eternal destination is not based upon my faithfulness. It's on the faithfulness of God that He's going to get me home. Amen? And so he says in verse 11, This is a faithful saying. Literally, the Greek says, this is a faith word. And there is this little poetic section that Paul writes, or he quotes. Some scholars would say, well, this is a, this is a song they sang. This was already something 
that they used. But he ha- it's poetic because it has these lines. It's like the, uh, a lot like the book of Psalms. It kind of has this parallelism. This is a faith saying. What is it? And he goes through this progression. And if we had time, we could go back and really trace it. It's much what he's done in verses 8, 9, and 10. We don't have time. If we died with him, and this is where we got to get our Greek tenses good and steady here. <laughs> died is in the aorist tense. If we died with him, at a point in time in the past, if we died with him, what is Paul alluding to? If there was a time in my life that I came to faith in Christ and I died to myself, it's what we demonstrated, Clayton Lester did this morning, that he was putting his life to death. But there was a point in conversion that at a point in the time, in the past, that I died, and I love this phrase, with him. Just as Jesus had died on the cross, alluded to in verse 8, when I placed my initial faith in Christ, I died with him. My life was put just as Jesus died. I died to my life and I placed my faith in him. But the faithfulness, the reason this is a faith word is because Paul says if we died with him at a point of time in the past, we shall also live with him. Because he lived. We also shall live. Not because of us, but because of him. He is the resurrected Christ. He says in verse 12, If we endure, it's present tense, if we are enduring. What does endure mean? Well, he's talked about it in verse uh, 10. If we remain under, because initial faith is only the starting point. That's why the Bible describes faith as that faithfulness that moves forward, that yes, I make that initial decision, but then I live it out. I am faithful And Paul has in mind this this idea of persevering to remain under. I remain under that that calling and that purpose of God. Always implied in the enduring, in the word persevere. In the midst of trials, tribulations, troubles. Know when it gets hard. Just know that If I remain under that calling of God in my life, what is the promise? We shall also reign with Him. Just as He reigns, we shall reign. We don't even have time to talk about reigning. But Jesus said someday not only will we live, but we will reign. Who will reign? Those who remain under. And so there is this call. But here comes the kicker to me in this whole little poetic section. Oh, but what if we don't endure? What if we don't endure? What if we don't remain under? What about Timothy? What if they come to the point and say, you either stop this or we're cutting off your head? And it was happening in the first century. We don't even have a sense of that, I don't guess. In American Christianity today, it's going on all over the world. If we deny him. Here's the reason I gave you the whole Greek lesson. It comes to this phrase. Deny 
I don't know if you want to guess the, the Greek tense of that verb. It's aorist. If at a point in time we deny him. If the world says you will either confess, they would have said in the first century, you will either burn incense and confess with your mouth that Caesar is Lord or we will we'll throw you to the lions, we'll cut off your head. And many people, I wish I could tell the stories, and I wish you could read the stories of the, the first century church and the courage and the faith that they had uh, to persevere and to live in the midst of that kind of persecution. Here's the reality. Some did not. It'll be true in America someday too. I just whispered that so that those that wanted to hear that could hear it. But if you didn't want to hear it, you don't have to hear it. If we deny him at a point in time, just know that he will deny us. Or let me, I'm sorry, let me read that. He also will deny us. You go, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. The verb tense of he will deny us is aorist. At that point in time, he will also deny us. In Matthew 10, 32 and 33, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Oh, boy. Jesus is our intercessor to the Father. And Jesus said, if you will confess with your mouth, if you will confess me before men, in the throne room of heaven, I will confess you before my Father. And my Father will pour out his power and his blessing and his strength. Even if that means death, my Father will be there for you. But if you deny me, here's the hard truth. I'm not going to confess you before the Father because you've denied me. And in that moment, you will lose that power and that blessing and that strength. You will say, I'm on my own, and you're on your own. I'm not talking about your eternal destiny. I'm talking about a point in time. He goes on in verse 13, and he, he takes it really further because he says, if we are faithless, hmm, the deny was in the aorist tense, a point of time in the past. When we come to verse 13, if we are faithless, present tense. Well, this is a little bit harder. If we are being faithless, if we are not living out our faith, not that we stopped believing, but we are not living out that faith. That's why I've tried to describe to you that faith is, yes, that initial faith, but then we live it out. If we are being faithless... Not just that you denied him, but Paul says, oh, we're just going to take this one step further. If you are being faithless, and you're kind of expecting this, because this, the logic has just flowed, right? You're thinking he's going to say, if you're faithless, then God doesn't believe in you. God is faithless. doesn't say that. Because not only is my faith not in myself, but it's in Christ. God's faith is not in us. Do you get it? 
He doesn't bank his kingdom and everything on whether Daryl Smith is going to live it out. That's, whoo boy, that's way sketch. That's not a good plan. No, the kicker is if we are being faithless, he remains faithful. You know what that word remains is? It's the same word, endure, except with the, uh, the, it just means, so endure means to remain under. You just take out the under, the prefix. But it's, it's this sense that even if we are faithless, God endures, perseveres, remains under his faithfulness because he didn't trust in me. My, the faith was in him and his character. And he throws in this final phrase, because he cannot deny himself. God will be faithful if no man is or isn't. And my salvation and my hope is not in my faithfulness, but in the faithfulness of God. Our faith is in the faithfulness of God. It's what, um, it's what Paul had to rest in when he came to the end of his life. Timothy, be, remem be remembering. I think Paul is revealing his own mind that says this is something I think about, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead that his word is not chained and his elect will make it to eternal glory in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul's mind rested in. That is the message he had for Timothy. Timothy, if you think it's all about you, no, you need to live in faith, which is a trust in the dependency and the power of God. And the reason it was recorded and the early Christians, when <laughs> Timothy had gotten that personal letter and he handed it to a friend and the friend read it and said, hey, I'd like a copy of that. Because I'm from Colossae and I think I would like to come and read the words of Paul to our church. So they wrote, wrote a copy. The church of Colossae said, hey, I would, like a, I would like a copy of that. And they wrote it and they wrote it and they wrote it. And the letter of 2 Timothy makes it to us today almost 2,000 years later so that we might be encouraged when we feel the weight of not just eternity but the life that we live and we say, man, it all depends upon me. Just take a chill pill and be remembering that our faith is based not upon our faithfulness but the faithfulness of God. Amen? Amen. Well, that's what Jesus sent me by to tell you today, and I'm done. You can say amen if you'd like to. Why don't you stand? I'm going to close in prayer. Uh, thank you for being here, whether you're in person, you're joining by live stream. Um, if you have uh, decisions to make,
for Christ. Could be a lot of things. Maybe you need to know how to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you need to follow through in baptism. Maybe you need to officially join this church. Maybe you have a recommitment to make, a call to faithfulness. Uh, hey, I'm going to be at the front. We're dismissing. This is kind of our pattern these days. I'll be at the front here just to visit with you. We'll have lots of time uh, as long as you need. Um, and um, let me pray today. Father, today we love you. And Father, we thank you that you're a great God. You're, you're true to your word. You're dependable to your character. And whatever covenant you ever made, Father, you will be faithful to and so, Father, today I pray that you'd give us a sense of security and hope. Uh, Father, I pray that we would live lives that are faithful because of your faithfulness. And so, Father, we continue to pray for your protection, your love, your care in our lives. We pray that we would continue to seek you uh, in the midst of what we pass through. We pray that we would endure, that we would persevere, that we would remain under, Father. And uh, so, Father, we trust all this to you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.